So last week we jumped into this and uh, I wanna keep the conversation going today, talking about these waves of opportunity God sends and how to ride them. Now last Sunday, we had a chance to have a congregational meeting in this space. Who got a chance to be a part of that, be it live stream or here in the room? Uh, a few of you across the board. Overwhelmingly, this congregation came together and tried to sense a wave that we think God is sending our way and responded to ride that wave. But what I wanna talk to you about today is not just that, but I wanna talk to you about the waves that God sends each of you. Because it's one thing to talk about a wave that might be facing an organization or them over there, but God sends you waves, each of you waves. There is something God wants to do, a wave of opportunity that he provides for you and he invites you, individually you, to ride that wave. Now, I wanna make a distinction this morning between blessings and waves. God sends both. And sometimes God just drops a blessing. You know, out of nowhere, God sends this blessing and you find yourself and it's like, oh, oh my gosh, please. Have you ever had one of these moments where God has like just dropped a blessing on you and you realized you had nothing to do with this? You've, you don't deserve this. It's nothing because of what you prepared for or planned for or worked for. It's just heaven opens, boom, right? You've had these moments. God delights in dropping blessings. God will do that through the course of your life. Many of these blessings, in fact, I think are even unnoticed, are unseen by us most of the time. But if we dare to slow down just a little bit and open our eyes and start looking for them, I think it's surprising how many of these both little and big blessings God just drops out of the sheer delight that comes from his personality out of this place of grace, out of this laughter I've got to imagine he has as he just loves to bring good things to his creation. But sometimes God says something, sends something else. Instead of what I'll call a blessing, he'll send a wave. Now to be sure, a wave can be, and often is a blessing. But what's different about a wave than a blessing is that where a blessing is God just dropping it de facto, a wave is something he invites you to partner with. If you can think about a surfer, a surfer doesn't just bob in the water until a wave comes along and they find themselves naturally lifted up and riding in the ride of their life, finding themselves in a new place after. No, the surfer has to kind of participate with the wave. The surfer has to engage the wave. The surfer has to work with that wave to get himself up on the board, to get herself into position, to paddle hard when it starts coming, and to position him or herself to ride it with. And oftentimes, God sends opportunities that we call waves, that he invites us to participate with him in. In writing, I find that while blessings often cost us nothing, 
Waves, on the other hand, often do cost us something. See, it's part of the sanctification process, if I could throw the $10 theological word your way, the process of God refining you. Or I love how Gwen put it. I don't even know why I preach. I should just show Gwen videos. You know, the process about how God takes something rough in our lives or unadorned in our lives, unpolished in our lives, and through a process of churning together and working together, polishing who we are when we ride a wave with God, partner in an opportunity of what God has sent our way. He develops something in us in that process. I think it's in part why he invites us to do it that way. Because there's something God wants to do not just through you, but in you. And he does that in these waves. Now, last week, our congregation decided to take a step forward and try to ride a big wave that we think is coming our way at Fellowship of Faith. More specifically, a first wave. Now, for years, we have been talking about space limitations that we have been up against. Our worship space, unable to grow and feeling ourselves artificially capped. Our children's ministry space, unable to grow and feeling it artificially capped. Other issues around the building, unable to grow and artificially capped. If you've been with us here at Fellowship of Faith for any length of time, you've heard us talk about expansion projects or the possibility of starting a plant or a second site or, or sending people out to bless other churches, just any creative idea we could conjure up to say, Lord, how do we deal with this issue? And none of the wave sets quite felt right. We look at them, we try to identify them on the horizon, but none of them quite materialized the way that we either expected or hoped them to be. But you know, ironically, it was through this COVID time that as we started to discern the landscape and our leaders were talking and praying and just dreaming together, certain things on the horizon began to come into focus. We shared with you the project last week about renovating our children's ministry space, which allows us to open our coffee house space, which allows our worship space to expand and other things alongside of it. A wave that we think God is sending our church. And you know, we realize that when God sends a wave, he invites us to ride. I think of some people in my life who have sensed waves of opportunity God had sent their way and how it always cost them. I think of this guy I knew who started a church, he just felt God leading him to begin with this and everything was materializing in the correct way. Problem was he was in med school at the time, actually just finishing med school and literally about to take his boards. And as I heard the story from him, he's sitting there, because of course this was back in the day with pen in hand, in the middle of this test, 
realizing God was calling him to something different than all the investment he put into medical school and the career that was going to take him that way and feeling that God was calling him to make a choice. God was not just going to drop a church in his lap. No, it was going to cost him something. Calling him to walk away from this. To step into that with no promises, with no guarantees, with no certainty. But something he sensed God was doing and could not shake the conviction on his heart. And he describes the story with medical debt and everything else. When it's time to like start your profession, pushing the test across the table and saying, God right now is calling me to ride this wave. Because God, when, when God sends a wave, the wave doesn't sit there. Waves keep moving, don't they? And when God calls us to ride a wave, it often means now. Act now. Respond now. I think of Jason Weber, who we said goodbye to here a couple of weeks ago, who over several months had been sensing through, through things he wasn't even looking for, this, this call and new chapter of life developing and where God was asking him to go and praying through it and discerning it and keeping the conversations open. But, but, but I remember two weeks ago, him standing on stage here going, I was happy. I was content. But sensing that God was calling him there. And it wasn't going to be there a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. God, I'll get there when I get there. No, it's, it's time. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of political uprising, going, Lord, it's time to ride that wave. And I think about the fear that must have been involved with that, a choice like that. Leaving your friends, leaving your house, leaving your comfort zone to go step into, at least still in quarantine, waiting for it to lift for what God might be doing there, going, Jason, ride this with me. I think of Stephen Barbie. A year ago, when we were looking for a worship director, family born and raised in Nebraska, at a church doing incredible things with friends and kids, living within 30 minutes and a grandkid, their first on the way. I still can't believe you're old enough to be a grandpa. I know you can't either. <laughs> and sensing that God was calling him some, to something here in Illinois. Who wants to move to Illinois? People move out of Illinois. Right? The land of high taxes, welcome. But sensing that God was calling them to something. And I think about what they had to sacrifice. What's it like to move away from your parents and your children and your grandchild and your home and your friend network and all that you know? And I hope I'm not planting a bug and going, what did I do right now? You know? <laughs> but you know what I mean? They sensed a wave. 
And when God sends a wave, it means response. And the response often means, this is going to be scary. This is going to cost me. This is going to require something of me in the participation where I'm going to have to choose and there will be consequences. That's frightening. That's why in those split-second moments, when we all find ourselves in those, those situations of life, be it in a very literal wave in the ocean going, how will I respond to this? Being at the edge of a cliff going, will I jump into the pool from this? We all have that moment where, will I hesitate? And watch the moment pass by. And the wave go away, or will I leap? Going, dear God, save me. Dear God, catch me. Dear God, I'm trusting you're there. Welcome to the inevitability and reality of the waves that God sends to each of us. Each of us know this full well. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Hopefully I'm doing nothing more than just articulating what we all, since we've known this, we've experienced this, and we can look back and see those waves that we've chosen to ride in our own lives going, thank you, God. We can look back on some of those waves going, wiped out on that one. But seeing what God developed through us in the process, and never wanting to feel a wipeout like that again, but strangely enough, unwilling to go back in time to ever wish it would change because of what it developed and built in us as a response and, of course, looking back on waves that we let come and go and standing there now in the aftermath with that sense of regret or wondering just simply what could have been. You know, it was about 20, 21 years ago that God sent a huge wave to this gathering of people that we call Fellowship of Faith. You know, a lot of us weren't here at that time. I wasn't, my family wasn't. Though some of you sitting here today and some of you watching today certainly were, sensing that God was sending something, that God was brewing something for a different kind of church. The way I had it described to me, them dreaming for a church the way church is supposed to be. Here in McHenry, and against all odds, and against all common sense, and even in the midst of what, what certainly they knew was going to be struggle and sacrifice. They came together and said, let's try riding this wave. And I think of the blessing that my family and I have gotten to receive because a group of people 21 years ago decided to meet God on that big water where he was churning something good and they had the guts to ride it. I think of this church 19 years ago, still before my time, and before the time of many of you, though looking out again, seeing some of you who I knew were here at this point, languishing and rotting in an unair-conditioned elementary school gym 
where the custodians stopped cleaning in April and didn't start again till September, with raccoons on the wall, on these little folding chairs, setting up and tearing down and sweltering in the heat in a completely unconducive location, looking at each other going, what are we doing? How long is this going to last? And starting to get the building dream. Starting to discern that God might be creating an opportunity to take a next step as a church into something big, into something outlandish, into something that was well beyond their means. It was a church a quarter of a size that we are now. Think about that. That together discerned a big wave, and I mean a big one. I'm talking those 50-year waves, that, that towering water that just leaves you going Never in a million years would I charge that. Discerning that God was sending this wave going, we're tackling that one. A church a quarter of our size, they entered into a $2 million campaign to purchase this land, to put up this building, to create a more permanent space, to do better ministry, that went beyond the little ripples in the water. God had been sending them, and I think of the blessing it's been to me and my family, and I hope to you to be able to come to a place like this because people back then chose to seize that opportunity and ride a wave. I think of what it meant to them and how they sacrificed the stories. It's, it's almost urban legend among some of us, and especially those of us who weren't there, but the sacrifices that they made of people in a strange time, losing their jobs, but still going forward and giving and giving and giving. People who had made pledges, and then life circumstances changed and going, but I gotta ride this wave and making it happen. I hear one story in particular about a man who is so pivotal to this congregation who's no longer with us anymore, but his wife still is. Who loved three things, fellowship of faith, his wife, and his red sports car. And when it came time to make the pledge to make this happen, because no one was handing him the money, taking the keys out of his pocket, and handing it over to be sold as his pledge that we today get to reap the blessing of. God sends waves, guys. He sends them to organizations and churches, but he sends them to each of you, and he asks you to ride them. He says, do you trust me? Do you trust that I'm good and I'm taking you somewhere? Do you trust that what you're sensing here is, is for the blessing of others? Do you trust that what this is about is part of my grand plan? Are you willing to meet me on that water and ride the wave? Are you willing to give, to risk, to sacrifice? This is what wave riding is all about. And for these past few weeks, we've been sharing with you this Next wave, we're calling it first wave, but first just of a new set, not the first for this church. This wave that we think God is sending us. And last week, we met 
And the congregation said, let's ride it. Let's do it. I shared the story with some of you about how this, this began, the discernment process of this wave set began, but I want to share it again because I think it's worth hearing. Last year, we were looking at a $3 million campaign going, we think this is the way God wants us to go. The congregation going, we think this is the way God wants us to go, but how it felt like such a quantum leap, such a huge step. It didn't feel right, and then COVID hit. It was in the process of COVID that, that Todd Wielgoss, it's our congregational chairman, the, the guy who you saw in the video surfing all those waves, apparently. He started saying this, and I thought he was nuts. He starts saying, you know, our, our church shouldn't be thinking about what we can do for $2.5 million right now. Our church should be thinking about what we could do for $250,000 right now. Now, look, I can vision cast with the best of them, and I love charging the big water, but I'll be honest with you. I heard him talking and, like, running off at the mouth. You, you know, you got me here? And, like, this dude's out of his mind. Like, well, like what, what, is, what is Todd smoking? That, 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 is the, that is the question for today. Who launches into a capital campaign in the midst of a pandemic? Who asks people for money when people are losing their jobs and, and finding hours scaled back, or even if not risking financial insecurity in, in a world who knows where it's going? He's a crazy man. But you know, it's amazing how sometimes God is prophetic through the insane. Because as I was hearing on this and forcing myself to kind of open a posture of my heart to listen to this, I started noticing something. See, from the beginning when COVID hit in mid-March here at Fellowship of Faith, our elders have been on the prowl reaching out to many of you. You probably got the emails or the phone calls or things along the way. Whether you responded or not, it doesn't matter. But just, it was our position as a church to, to go, we want to make sure that the people who call Fellowship of Faith home are taken care of through this, that they have what they need through this, that, 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 that no one is finding themselves drowning in this. I want to share a Bible passage for you that's very pivotal to us here at this church. It comes out of Acts 2. Spend any length of time with us and you'll, you'll hear us refer to ourselves as an Acts 2 church. And you see it on the screen. Right in the middle it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And so wanting to be an Acts 2 church, our elders were reaching out, asking people, what do you need? Are you still working? Are you able to make the bills? How can we help? Do you know what we saw from the outset and through two to three more rounds of doing this? That was amazing. For every person that found themselves in a place of need or requesting help or, or open to it, we had 10 more going, you know, pastor, you tell me who needs groceries and I'm just going to get them over there. You tell me who needs a ride and I'm going to give them a ride. You tell me who needs help paying a bill and I'm going to pay it. Pastor, here's a check. You know, you just put this in the benevolence fund and when someone comes along your way, you just make sure that they're getting the help they need. 10 to one. In the middle of a pandemic, 10 to one, going, this is a church that gets it. 
Because you know what? This is the most important. People in a church helping people in a church coming together. Seeing what they have, not just as their own to guard and protect at all costs, but as a blessing of God that they've received. That God is now sending a wave of opportunity that they can ride to help other people in their time of need. And I got to tell you, FOF, you responded. You responded. I would have people follow up with me. Going, you know, I haven't heard from you. Who needs help? And I'm like, I don't want to tell you. I got a list this long. And a list of people who need help that is this long. Way to go, FOF. Way to go on putting yourself out there that those of you who have much right now, willing to share it with those who are struggling. And I'd live, that's a testimony to what God is, I think, churning in you. And I want you to hear this loud and clear that this offer is not over. Those of you who are looking to give in that way, that needs to be the priority of any church. And those of you who would be blessed right now from receiving, I want you to hear this. It's our honor and privilege and duty as a church to meet you in that place. And we don't know who you are. You have to let us know, and that's okay. Whether you're streaming with us today or here in person, if you are finding yourself up against that job loss, cutback, economic plight, don't know where to turn, there's a church here willing to help you. And as I was thinking about what the crazy man Todd had to say about what we can do for 250K it started to hit me that he was seeing waves that I wasn't discerning. That we're in a church where people want to give. I mean, it was proven. It's been proven through our history and it was proven in these last few months. It's a church where people want to be given and it really shouldn't surprise me. Because Jesus is one who gave, who gave it all, who put everything on the line. So much of Jesus' teaching is about giving to others and about generosity and about the sacrifice of that which God gives us for a greater blessing. And so it should be no surprise that those who are in Christ or those who are seeking the way of Christ, those who are trying to live the way of Christ would be doing the same. Let me, let me give you this verse, this cool passage, and explain to you what I mean. Guys, I really encourage you to read this whole two-chapter set today, but I'm just going to give you a taste. This comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And Paul's writing to this church in a time of their own epidemic. No, it wasn't a disease, it wasn't a plague, but it was a famine. It was a famine that was racking the world at this point, and people found themselves in need. And Paul writes to him and he says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. He's writing to the Corinthian church, telling them about the grace that God has given these other churches over there, this Macedonian church. And look at what this grace happens to be. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. Do you ever think of extreme poverty as a grace? Their overflowing joy and extreme poverty. Can those two go together? 
My experience in traveling to the emerging and third world countries of this world is that the poorest people often have more joy than the most financially secure and wealthy of us. But out of their overflowing joy and extreme poverty, it welled up in them in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. They did it on their own, entirely on their own. They, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service of giving to the saints. And he goes on to say, then, and they did not even do as we expected. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will because people who are in Christ, they want to give. Oh, to be sure, there's that side in all of us that rails against us, that resists it, that fights it. I mean, I know that spirit in my old nature. Well, you do too. But those of us who are in Christ, we know his grace. It wells up, doesn't it? With a challenge, a conviction, even a joy. Lord, how do I give people doing the outlandish 21 years ago, going beyond their ability, raising a million dollars at a quarter of our size? And look at the grace we've received as a blessing. It was the crazy man Todd's challenge as he was discerning this new wave challenging me and our other leadership to maybe open our hearts and think about it that way. To say, what can we do to be a similar kind of blessing to people? What can we do when we're four times as large for just even a quarter of what people did 20 years ago at Fellowship of Faith? What can we do to see that this church blesses another generation, another era, to bless our community in ways that we've maxed out our ability in this space to really do. That's the spirit behind First Wave. And Todd, I want to thank you for reminding us of that and having the guts to step out and lead us that way. Last week, our congregation heard this and we saw Todd on the slide in his board shorts and we were moved. <laughs> and we came together. We said, let's ride this thing. No one it'll cost us, no one it'll call us to step out, no one it'll challenge us, no one there's risk. I love how Gwen put it, knowing that it shakes things up, but with the hope in God that the end result is a better polished, more beautiful stone. That's the challenge we're giving you today, that I'm giving to you today. To ride this wave because it's not just a rave for fellowship of faith as some entity over there. It's a wave for each of us who calls fellowship of faith home 
who are sitting right here. Now, some of you are watching today, maybe for the first time. Some of you are here today, and maybe you're relatively new. I want to encourage you as well that God sends you waves of opportunity. And what I'm saying here is applicable in all its ways. But this next part that I'm about to share is more directed to those of us who call Fellowship of Faith home than it is to you. So thank you for listening in with us. And, and, and if God challenges you in this, let him do so. But I want this to be clear that those of us who call FOF home, who have been recipients of the blessing, now I'm talking to you. How can you contribute to help this wave become something we ride and not just go past? On your chairs, you'll see these cards called First Wave. Later this afternoon, they'll be sent via email. Subscribe to our e-news right now on our webpage if you want to make sure to get this if you haven't yet. So digitally or in print here today, you'll have it. I know you looked at it already. You always look at things you sit on, right? It's a pledge card. No great mystery. But what we're doing starting today is, is asking you to allow God to challenge you to just really wrestle in your heart. Lord, this project's going to cost 300000 Lord, we don't want to saddle a church with unmanageable debt. Lord, I know I'm a part of this church, and that means it's part of me giving to it. Lord, what can I give to make riding this wave a reality so that this place can be a blessing? And ultimately, if we're doing it right, God, to honor you. It's a six-month campaign that we're going to run. Starting relatively now, through January 31st of 2020, six months. Lord, over these next six months, what can I give? What can I do? I want to encourage you to do something very tangible with this. Something my wife and I did, something Todd and his wife did, something he even got my thinking sparked on again with this. It's a cool way to turn it from just a throwaway number into an actual spiritual practice and time of connection with God and allowing him to challenge you. Today, on your own, think of a number. Think of a number of what that might be over six months, whether you give it just once or you spread it out, it doesn't matter. But think of a number, a number that's generous, a number that's manageable, a number that's wise, but a number that will challenge you and cost you. Because the greatest moves of God in times of growth with God are when we allow him to push us out of all of our comfort zones that way. And jot it down if you're married or you're sharing your finances with someone. Ask them to do the same. Don't share that number yet. Hey, honey, write a number down on your own. And then for the next few days, three, five, maybe even seven days, pray about it independently. Just, just have those chats with God through the day. Lord, is this it? Am I going too much? Am I going too little? Where you meet, let, let God get in your 
soul on that. Oh, that's scary ground. It's always scary to let God get in your soul. But I tell you, he's good. And at the end of the day, you'll be glad he's there rather than he's not. And then come back together and have that discussion with your significant other. Ask them what their number is and share your own. See how close it comes together at the end of the day. Or how close it's grown together without you even knowing if something like that happens, oh, those are cool moments. Those are, those are what people like to call God moments. You know what I mean? Confirming moments. Todd was sharing with me how he and his wife Jenny did that and they came to the exact same dollar amount. But maybe with you it'll come out differently. Maybe you come out in, in different places and that's also okay because then you get to talk about it and wrestle with it and do life together on it and figure out where is the comfortable place, where you get to challenge each other. If you live on your own, you get to have this conversation with God one-to-one, -one, giving it time to percolate and then coming back with a number, another number later or maybe writing down a different number every day and negotiating it throughout. The point is, make this a prayer exercise. Make this a time of wrestling with God. Lord, what are you calling me to give? And after giving it that period of discernment, write that number down. Or fill it in on the PDF we're going to send you. And drop it in a bucket here at FOF or email it to firstwave at fellowshipoffaith.org. It's all on the card. It's easy to follow. We're asking everyone to do this by August 16th. It's about three weeks to really wrestle through this, to give a sense, Lord, are we as a church going to dare to grab hold of this wave and ride it? And we as a church means each of you. So that's how it rolls. That's what we're asking. And hopefully through it all, keeping before our eyes, this is a chance To really let God be a blessing through us and this opportunity we have. We hope you ride the wave. So I'm going to invite the band to come up. I want to thank you for the time just to consider this today. You know, talking about money is always sensitive in the church, isn't it? And I understand why, because of the way we hear about how it gets so abused in certain times and places. Maybe you've even personally been on the receiving end of that abuse at some place. Look, here at Fellowship of Faith, we never want to be guilty of abusing that, spiritualizing things to fuel the machine. That's not the spirit of this. It's because we just really believe that God has something good going on here and together we want to be blessing people more in it. Jesus talked about money a lot. And so we feel we need to do the same. It wasn't an off-limits topic for him. It shouldn't be an off-limits topic for us. So hopefully today in just a real and honest way, we've been able to kind of share our heart and our moorings in the Bible on this. It's just kind of a long way of me saying, 
thanks for opening your own heart and mind today to listening and to considering this. So let's pray. Let's pray and then we'll rise. We'll sing.